This is Upstate's HealthLink on air. Linda Cohen along with you. Approximately one-fifth of the nation's population lives in a rural area, but only 10% of the nation's physicians are located there. This is considered to be one reason why rural Americans have higher rates of death, disability, and chronic disease than their other counterparts. Here with more on all of this are two family practitioners who know about this problem firsthand. Dr. Robert Ostrander is a 1983 graduate of Upstate Medical University and the current president of the New York State Academy of Family Physicians. He's also been quite active in Upstate's Rural Medical Scholars Program. His son, Dr. Jeffrey Ostrander, is also a graduate of Upstate Medical University, and they share a practice in Rushville, New York. Welcome to you both. Thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for having us. So let me start with you, Dr. Ostrander, uh, Dr. Robert Ostrander, <laughs> um, the dad. Um, practicing rural medicine has lots of challenges. Give us just an overview about that. I'm actually going to start by mentioning some of the challenges that are perceived by some but are really misconceptions, especially in this day and age uh, where we have good electronics and good communication. Uh, there's always a perception, often among medical students especially, that if they go to a rural area they won't have the support that they need. But in fact, um, those supports are largely available except in the most remote areas. Give me an example of the kind of support that you think they might worry about not having that are there. Well, for instance, if I have a patient who has an immediate problem uh, with a headache or stroke-like symptoms, I can get uh, an MR scan of their brain and get them in to see a neurosurgeon, if need be even, fairly rapidly because we have systems in place for that even in our small community hospitals. So your feeling is that some of the things people have seen as challenges, I'm going to get more into some actual challenges that you face, but is real, are really not challenges. That's right. We can practice great medicine, state-of-the-art medicine um, in rural areas. And in fact, often we can combine that with more personalized care than people might get in, in urban centers. Jeff, do you mind if I call you Jeff as opposed to Dr. Ostrander because it's confusing? <laughs> no, that's quite fine. <laughs> so Jeff, what about the declining availability of care? In other words, today it strikes me that we're seeing that in general everywhere in terms of primary care availability in this country. And, and it seems to me from earlier statistics I quoted that it seems a little bit more exacerbated in a rural area. How does that impact you? Sure. So for me, um, I found that practicing in a rural area had lots of reasons to draw me there specifically. Now, the declining care um, for us more in general a lot of my co-residents when we were in training, when you're deciding kind of where to go and where to practice, it's much kind of what we were discussing just previously as far as availability of services um, and then the robustness of the system that you try to practice. And, and, and again, that perception that we talked about is, is not always the reality. So that you're saying that as you were preparing to do your training, people would similarly voice what your dad was saying, that they're, they might not want to be in a rural area because they would be lacking supports. Sure, yeah. The, the systems that the <clears throat> hospital and the healthcare networks have in place uh, is often, again, perceived as not being as robust. And, and, and really, again, when you've got a well-established practice in the system, it, it really is quite better than but that. But this general concept that we were talking about, Dr. Robert, th this whole idea that... Um, 
there is currently a shrinking population of fa of either family practitioners and or basically internists, primary care doctors in general in this country. That has to have an impact on rural as well. Excuse me. It absolutely does. And I'm going to just touch on the elephant in the room because doctors, especially family doctors, hate to talk about pay and costs. Um, we live better than our neighbors, better than our patients for the most part. But compared to um, our colleagues in other specialties and our colleagues that practice in um, other uh, settings in primary care, especially hospital-owned systems and large systems in the city, the pay is um, dramatically different. And, and again, I, Jeff was trying to be tactful by not mentioning <laughs> that his uh, fellow residents um, many of them are they're offered positions. Family medicine is the most sought-after specialty um, in job opportunities in the United States right now. And for most professions, most sought-after would mean most pay, but because our pay is fixed by insurance companies and government that doesn't play out, um, it's the most sought-after specialty. And systems are willing to pay 20, 30, 50% more than we can make ourselves in primary care because primary care doctors that are owned, if you will, by systems, bring all sorts of money into that system. So they're willing to pay a premium. And people are starting their work lives at age 30 with tremendous debt, especially if they went to a private medical school. And what might sound like a very generous pay to a non-physician on the street, when you start, when you realize that you're starting at 30 with high six-figure, mid-six-figure debt, um, you have to look at what your paycheck's going to be, and the paycheck in the rural areas just can't match that. Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing is, is although the medical support is tremendous in rural areas, the administrative support in a small practice just can't be. Everybody in my office's job is to take good care of patients, um, and now the systems that are in place from insurance company, government programs, and so on require an awful lot of box checking and administration, and we can't afford staff to do just that, big systems put that in place. I think you're really hitting a point that's even larger in just what's going on in medicine today. I think the reasons that you've elucidated very articulately that there's less people wanting to go into primary care, in general they're being asked to do more on less and to do more and with less support. And, and, and not only do more for the patient, but do more administratively. And obviously, the small guy, the, even the private practice, pra private practitioner in a city is fi facing some of those same struggles. But then add to the fact that you're in a rural environment, basically in private practice, it just exacerbates a lot of those issues. How about the, also the notion of the increased demand in terms of the, you know, the aging population that we're facing everywhere. It's not just, you know, we're living longer and people are, are well longer, but as they age, they have increased medical needs. Jeff, tell us how you think that may be playing a role again and how it impacts on your daily life. Sure. So on our daily life, um, I think the practice that we are in, we make a, a specific effort to be able to see our patients not only for their regular and routine care, um, but also make availability for same-day care if necessary. Um, and that's not always the case in all of the practices, I, I think, in general. Um, some of this financial stuff that we were discussing, in order to see a full panel of patients, you want to make sure you book and fill your schedule entirely. 
Um, and so what happens in that case is that when patients call and say, I need to see my doctor, that availability may not be there. And, and so some of that rolls over into urgent cares and emergency departments. Um, but within our practice specifically, we really try to make an effort to put our patients, um, their care uh, right forward. And so we, we make some dedicated efforts to leave availabilities to see our patients on the days that we need them. Um, and that's just that's a practice decision that has been kind of well in place before I started there. It's a practice decision, but it also requires, I mean, there could be some loss of revenue along those lines. If you're leaving spaces open for those same-day care and you don't fill them, that affects your bottom line. Am I correct? Absolutely. I mean, the revenue issue, um, uh, and the incentives for providing good care don't match up with where the, the reimbursement is. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on air. I'm Linda Cohen along with family practitioners, Drs. Robert and, jo- and Jeffrey Ostrander. We're talking about rural medicine and the fate of primary care today. So I want to get to why you do what you do. So Dr. Robert, why are you in Rushville, New York? And uh, what about it I grew up in Clifton Springs, which is just uh, a one town over. Both of my parents worked uh, as an x-ray technician and nurse at the uh, hospital in Canandaigua and knew well my predecessor in Rushville, and we knew he was approaching retirement, and when I was done, I spoke with him. He'd been there since 1958, now I've been there for 30 years. So unlike virtually any other patients, I have many patients my age who have had two physicians in their whole lives. That's amazing. Um, and that's, you know, that's very rewarding. Um, rural communities um appeal to me. I grew up in one. Uh, there's a different sense of neighborliness, I think. Um, and probably the most important thing that draws me to rural care, as opposed to primary care, uh, by in and of itself, is the fact that my life is integrated. I don't have a work life and a home life. And doctors always talk about my work life and home life balance. I have a life. And my work life and my home life and my family life are all one piece. My friends are my patients are my neighbors are the guy who fixes my car. And that is the wonderful thing about family medicine in a rural area. Um, it's meaningful and rich. It's challenging. I go to bed every night exhausted, but no one had made a difference. Oh, that's I, I couldn't have wished for somebody to say it better than that. And, and Jeff, why did you come back to work with Dad? <clears throat> sure. Um, so, and that's because I think I grew up in Rushville, I, I went to the school there, and, um, and I've been very fortunate for lots of reasons. Uh, we still have, obviously, family in the area, um, and I have a good foundation of close friends that I grew up with that have all found something in the area that's kept us all there, and, and so the drive to come back and to return um, was there because of that network of closeness and friends and relationships, in addition to just some of the differences that a rural life brings as compared to an urban one with just a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more laid back, and also uh, the ability to have community and neighborliness, but also privacy and personal space and and to be out and around in nature. Did you always know that you were going to come back to work with Dad? Once Once you chose medicine, did you always know this, or was it a process you went through during your training? I thought there was always a high likelihood of returning home. Um, as far as did I know I was going to come back and, and work in the family practice? No, I mean, I think I started medical school thinking I was going to be a surgeon. And then um, when I went to residency, I knew that I wanted to actually go away and be somewhere else and be somewhere different. 
Um, but when it all kind of came down to it and I had my chance to be away and, and even briefly for a period abroad, um, there was something about coming home that was appealing. I can relate to that. Well, I he practiced in New Zealand for six months. That's what he's alluding to. Mm-hmm. And how did that, how did that, very briefly, I don't, we don't run out of time, but how did that compare to what you're doing now? Oh, that could be a quite a long conversation, but it, that was a wonderful experience. I, I had a great opportunity to practice also rurally in New Zealand as well, working um, in the far north part of the country there. Uh, and it's a different system for sure, but much like we were talking about earlier, they have a very well-integrated system as well to help access specialty care. Um, so actually, you didn't want for anything in doing family practice? Well, there. you had to learn to be do things a little bit differently there, but it was somewhat refreshing. So just in the little bit of time we have left, you I know Dr. Uh, Robert Ostrander, you've been very active in the Rural Scholars Program at Upstate, which basically has done a, a very important service of trying to encourage young medical students who are now finishing their training to consider a life in rural medicine. What do you think, in addition to something of that nature, what do you think medical students medical schools could be doing to encourage more of this? Very, very briefly, I'm sorry. There's a science around this, and I've been studying it for almost the whole 30 years that I've been involved as part of my work with the academy and my dedication to this. The science tells us that people that are from rural areas tend to return to rural areas, so you have to look at the admissions process, and you have to look at providing a pipeline of qualified students from rural areas to medical schools. Um, exposure to enthusiastic, passionate family doctors um, makes a big difference, so you have to be exposed. Um, we have to fix the financial problems with the way primary care is paid, uh, but that isn't something medical schools can do. Um, and um, student loan forgiveness helps some, but it really doesn't make up the difference because the gap, pay gaps are so high that even a student loan forgiveness in the in the five figures is uh, inconsequential after five years in practice. So the bottom line is you have to want to go back, and I think you've both said enough to have us understand why you would want to go back. So I want to thank you both for coming in and sharing your perspectives. And um, it's a very rich conversation. There's a lot about what you said about community that resonates to me and how we're, we're losing that in life in general these days. So I applaud both of you for your work and your dedication, and thanks so much for sharing it with us. My guests have been Dr. Robert Ostrander. He's a 1983 graduate of Upstate Medical University. He's current president of New York State Academy of Family Physicians, and his son, Dr. Jeffrey Ostrander, is also a graduate of Upstate Medical University, and they share a practice in Rushville, New York. I'm Linda Cohen, and you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air. <laughs>